right, guys. Crazy interview today. It's a repeat guest, David Ochoa. Uh, interviewed him all the way back in 2015, episode 11. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, this dude is um, hes off the chain. If you want to do your Froth Factor a favor, wherever you are on social media, you need to follow David Ochoa. This guy has captured some, you know, we talked about David Attenborough moments. This guy just lives and breathes that stuff in his day-to-day. Uh, he's one of the most sought-after spearfishing guides on the planet, and for good reason. He's just a really cool guy. We, today, we have a massive chat. Like here, here's, here's a couple of sn- a snippets of what we get into. We talk into um, guiding, um, lifestyle, the, the lifestyle of being someone that's just guiding spearfishing all the time, mental health um, and how social media plays into it, sharks, false metrics to spear by, um, as well as a bunch of his crazy stories. We talk about oh, some of the amazing visuals that have come out on his social medias. If you've seen Agua Negra or infamous Latham spearfishing Zanzibar, any of his videos on YouTube, uh, you've kind of got an inkling of what you're in for. Uh, he's a really cool guy from Portugal originally and um, – he still, he, I actually caught him up with him while he was on holiday with his family back in Portugal. But uh, man, this man gets around. He has um, been and spared with so many of the coolest people on the planet. Uh, he lives a lifestyle, a very admirable lifestyle, and I, uh, I really like him. I had a lot of fun in this interview. I, I think you, you might get a, a vibe of that. Um, before we get in there, I have got a couple of quick things to talk about. Um, the Jobfish Tribute is going bananas. Um, I got these wicked hoodies and shirts printed here in Australia, screen printed, seven colour screens, the Jobfish Tribute. Check it out. It's up on noobspirit.com. They're on special for this month. For any order of a sticker or, uh, sorry, any order of a hoodie or shirt, anywhere it goes, it will get a free sticker uh, valued at at least $38.50, I believe. Uh, so check that out up on noobspirit.com. Hey, as usual, thanks to the Patient Legends powering this podcast. Every week, they or every episode, they are the ones putting fuel in the outboard. Massive thank you to them. If you want to go and check that out, patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. You can support the show for as little as $1 an episode, like a bunch of legends. And um, But if you want to chuck in a bit more, by all means, please do so. Hey, let's get into, uh, I got to catch up with Curly. He's another patron over in WA. And I'm looking forward to getting a a dive with Curly at some stage. Here he is. Here's me and him having a quick chat. I have got Curly on the line, uh, a WA native, an absolute frother, and a patron legend. Uh, Curly, good to catch up with you, mate. Yeah, nice to be on the podcast, Shrek. Thanks. Mate, you gave me heaps of advice when I came over to WA, so thanks very much for that. Um, what do you think of my 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 two iconic WA species? Did you did you get? A... I, I reckon you did all right. Yeah, uh, they're um both pretty delicious to eating. So WA's got something special about it, eh? Like it's such a cool place. Like really laid back. It's a very rural kind of lifestyle. The spearfishing's off the chain. Um, seasonally, there's a lot of different stuff from one end of the coast to the other. I mean, it's such a long coastline. Um, it's 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 kind of you kind of feel sad just lumping WA all into one basket because it's such a big and like you've got the temperate zone down the down the southern end, and then you got full tropics up in the north, and then you got a whole bunch of stuff right in the middle, and it, it's wicked. Yeah, it is awesome. We got like a very diverse, I suppose, just because it is so long. So. Um, but you also have to do a lot of Ks as well to get that diversity. Yeah, do the miles to in, get the smiles. 
<laughs> that's the one. But um, everyone is pretty keen to do it. So it's yeah. kind of a bit of a way of life on this over here, I suppose. So Yeah, what's up with that? The WA guys just, they drive seven hours without even blinking. Yeah, I, I suppose you, I know if you go out camping and stuff like that, you just get used to it, I suppose. Long, long hours in the car. Lots of, lots of podcasting. <laughs> That's maybe why so many WA blokes listen then, I guess, or, or ladies as well. Yeah, have you got a fair few listeners, obviously? Yeah, it seems to be growing too. Like, obviously, I did the WA series when I was over there, um, so that probably helped me connect with a few of them. But um, but I think maybe because of the long drives is, you know, I mean, podcasts are obviously perfect for the long drives. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's, it's an awesome, awesome place to steer, like, yeah, there's so much coast, and you can get you can get the coral reefs up up north, and then you've also got the south coast as well, which is pretty rugged and like black water, and you know, mm. um, yeah, it's wild. So yeah, well, the two species I wanted to chase, based pretty much on chats with you and and a few others, were the with the Rankin and the and the Bulch and Groper. Like that, they're such a cool species, very different looking. Baldies are quite prolific on this coast. Yeah, like um, special. We don't. I don't really get them down here in the southwest. You, yep. you get the you get the very very, very occasional one. Yeah. But yeah, anywhere from like I suppose like Bunbury sort of upwards. Um, Where are you, Albany? No, no, I'm I'm in the southwest, so Margaret River. Oh right, yep, yep. I had yeah, mates that live so there. Crazy surf. Yep. Is the diving good there too? Um, the diving is yeah, the diving's good, but it's you you rarely can get out. Just because there is so much surf and the weather is like pretty brutal yeah, right. most of the year, so summer summer's good. But it's not if you're going to come here for like a trip, it's probably not the greatest des- destination because it would be very hard to to get it. So all those big swell days, you just have to punish some good white wines or something, do you? Um, well, I, I surf as well, so oh, nice. You got the mix and match. Yeah, best, best best of both worlds. Yeah, so yeah. surf when the surf's up and then. Dive when mm. diving's good. You're part of a rare br- bunch, like as being a patron. Um, talk to me about why you signed up, why you support the show. Um, no, I, I suppose I, I, I appreciate that you're doing something for the community, um, and that takes time. So I'm, I'm quite happy to to pay for that. I mean, I pay for a lot of people pay for a lot of things like subscriptions to you know God knows what, you know, and then. And that's for their entertainment. So I'm quite happy to pay um, for my entertainment and keep keep you going as well. Oh, I well, appreciate it. And uh, that's all- pretty much that's pretty much why I do it. Yeah, I just and like I, yeah, I kind of I know how much time it would take and effort for you to to be putting this out like every couple of weeks. So thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. And um, you know, it's uh. Yeah, it's not it's not everyone that jumps on and does it, and, I, and so I, I really appreciate it. It's a, it's great. One of the cool things too with the patrons is like, um, if I can, like we were trying to tee up catching up while I was over there. Next time I'm on a WA run, I'm definitely going to have to come catch up with you. Maybe we could record a full episode or even get out for a spare together. Yeah, that that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to show you around. If if you yeah, if you come over in summer, like it's um yeah, definitely more chance of getting out, but. Right. As you can say, you can always jump in the car and, and go somewhere as long as you're willing to to drive. Such a big coastline. It's thousands of kilometres, that like, WA yeah. coastline. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. I got as far north as Exmouth last time, so I've got plenty to go. Like, 
I've, I've got Onslow North and then I've got pretty much Perth South to do. So, like, I've done, like, just a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Even even I haven't gone to then explore out all the nooks and crannies. It's just, like, yeah, there's so, so much to do and, like, you only got a limited amount of time you can have off work and stuff like that. So it's sort of hard to get everywhere. What keeps you frothing on the spearing life? For me, it's like... I don't, I don't even care if I spear fish really anymore. I mean, that's I, it's something that happens obviously when I go out, but it's more of just going out with your mates. It's like a reset, really. You can go out, pretty much forget what's been what's going on in, in your life, like you know, stress-wise work and all that sort of stuff, and just uh, go out, have a good day, and um, yeah, reset. Then you just you just feel reset nice. when you come in. And you get to eat good food as well. Yeah, 100%. Did you get yourself a copy of 99 Spare Recipes? I did, yeah. What do you think? Have you been able to recreate any of them yet? Yeah, I, I, yeah I've been going through a fair few, yeah. Oh, sick. sick. Any yeah. favourites? Um, your ceviche one's pretty good. You don't mind the Shrek Viche? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Um, not to blow your trumpet. No, no, that's all um, right. I ripped it off. <laughs> I ripped it off, mate. I just made it. I just made it something that my family likes. Like, um, it's kind of a crowd favourite now, to be honest. Like, um, particularly if you dry age a fish, eh? Like, it's just so good. Yeah, I, 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 I miss that set with the dry aging. I just did the did the recipe, so I haven't quite got the patience for that one yet. Yeah, yeah, you just want to eat it. I mean, pa- yeah. pa- parrot and like your blue groper over there, they they would go good in that ceviche, I reckon. Yeah, and I did the tandoori fish wings. Oh yeah, that one. That Harry was Foster's good. one. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah that, that was an awesome one. Yeah, sick. So yeah, awesome, Curly mate. Great to catch up. It's just a it's a quick one today, but we will catch up more in the future, I'm sure. And again, massive thanks for. You know, being a patron, it's a it, it does make a difference. No worries, bro. It's a pleasure. I haven't really got much time, and um, yeah, a bit of money every episode's um, quite fine with me. So, all right, guys, um, awesome catching up with Curly. I've, I've got to get over and dive with that man down there in uh, the sort of the south of Perth there on in the WA area. Uh, what a legend! Hey, let's get into it, David Ochoa. This absolute madman legend. Here we go. Shop for your spearfishing gear at adreno.com.au in store and online. You can use the code NoobSpiro to save 20 bucks on any purchase over $200. Why would you shop with Adreno, I hear you say? Well, <clears throat> let me lay it out. Flat rate shipping, $9.99 on all orders. Hassle free returns policy, Australia. Price match guarantee, shop now, pay later with Afterpay, fully sick brands, huge, obnoxiously ginormous range of great spearfishing gear made just for legends like you. Go Adreno, go pro, don't be slow, shop massive, spearing gear at Adreno. I'll stop, Shrek, that's a no-no. But seriously, shop with the Noob Spiro's longest running partner, Adreno. Head to adreno.com.au online or in-store at their huge mega stores. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 20 bucks on any purchase over $200. Buying gear online can be tricky. You ask yourself the same questions. Will it arrive on time? Is it actually what I want? How much is the shipping going to cost? Great news, the name you can trust is Neptonics. Niptonics have route package protection, basically insurance on your gear 
so you can have peace of mind. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend $199 or more. Clear, transparent communication on shipping time and most gear ships in two days. They also have my favorite, a no BS returns policy. That's right, no BS. And it's all backed by one of the strongest names in spearfishing. And it finishes with tonics. And it's not gin and tonic, it's Neptonics. Solid gear that works. Visit Neptonics, buy tough gear. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. That's right, use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B-10, to save 10% on your order at neptonics.com. G'day, Noob Spirit community. Uh, I'm just jumping straight into it. I've got my man, David Ochoa, here. I have not spoken to you in person since 2015. Um, we're in 2023, bro. It's been eight years. It has been eight years, man. That's crazy. I still remember your shit uh, story about the, like, the mud pie. <laughs> <laughs> bully cow. Man. Yeah, the bully cow. I remember that, man. Yeah, that was, that was episode 11. Episode 11. Where, how many episodes are you in now? 220-something. Wow, man. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm that's still loving awesome. it. I've, I've been chatting with people like you forever, and, like, Guys like you inspire me. Like we share this common love for spearfishing and everyone explores this lifestyle in different ways. And you were tapped into some heavy froth vibes right from the start. It, and it feels like <laughs> you've just gone from froth to froth. Yes. Yeah, man. I don't, it has been eight years. Yeah. So since we, yeah, that's crazy. I, I didn't know it was that long. Like yep. since we spoke, I have lived in Madagascar. I have lived in New Zealand. I've been, I don't even know how many different countries. Mm. And uh, yeah, man, it does put, put a bit in perspective. I, I, yeah, I would not say it has been eight years at all. Um, so Mate, yeah, we, I guess we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> we, we got on to you through your very first attempt at a documentary. It was on Indiegogo. It was Inhale the Azores in one breath. You are embarrassed now by that film. But, mate, it was a friggin' solid effort. Well done. <laughs> and um, I'm stoked you're still making films. Oh, man, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, and, yes, looking well, but I guess that's with, well, almost every job, right? If you're, if you're improving, then when you look back, yeah. you know, it, it's a little oh, cringy. Man. Um, man, I listened to the podcast to... I recorded with you back then. I'll be like, Oh, shut up. Shrek. <laughs> 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 but man, uh, so like just to catch everyone up who does not know David Ocho, David is a, is a force in the spearfishing film world. He's um, kind of existing in this bubble all on his own. There's only really a few guys that have done kind of the level of stuff that you're doing. So you're a film director, spearfishing guide, living the dream. You come from a small, you know, like a, a place in Portugal hunting small fish, and now you chase everything all over the world with with absolute like absolute legends. Like your latest film that I watched today, um, infamous Latham spearfishing Zanzibar with um, Eric Allard and uh, your other mate Patrice. Mate, what a mm -hmm. film. Holy moly. And it's for free. Like, it's on YouTube for free. Like, the production quality of that is like Nat Geo type stuff, you know? And here's a video that's just up there for people for free. I, I could not even believe it. It's just, 
Like, I can't believe we've got access to it for nothing. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, I I really, really appreciate it. Um, And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll also uh, maybe talk about that. But but that is one of the goals to to start putting a lot more out there. I I know we probably talked about this same thing eight years ago, mm. um, but that that is one of the, the the major goals now for for this year. Um, maybe maybe we'll get to that a bit later. Yeah. But um, yeah, for maybe for the people that that don't know, um, you summed it up quite well. Uh, I grew up in Portugal, uh, diving close to Lisbon in um, you know cold water bad visibility, small fish. And um, for a long time, I made a living doing commercial spearfishing, actually, and um, especially with seafood. And um, yeah, like basically, if the conditions were good, I would go spearfishing, some pretty intense diving, um, especially when, you know, um, your performance has a direct impact in your ability to you know, feed yourself and the people around you. Yeah. So good motivation there. Um, but then I just invested, especially here in Portugal, because you have such bad conditions for most time, I would say, especially in the winter. Um, then I would just invest all my other time to, you know, try to find ways to listen, like at the end of the day, all of these things are just an excuse to be in the water, right? Yeah. Um, that's what comes first. And then, yeah, just try to find ways to spend more time in the water in different places. And, you know, ideally ideally try to make a living off of something you enjoy, but but putting what you enjoy first. I, I never really knew how to, to monetize my, my time in the water. And, and everything was really just, I'm not going to say accidental because... Yeah, I, I was committed to, to my ideas and everything, but all of these things, all of these ideas, it's just try to find ways to spend time in the water in cool places. That's it. How much encouragement did you find along the way? Uh, very little. Yeah. Um, yep, well, know. definitely from my family. Well, as you can imagine, you know, it's like your mom's not going to be stoked that you want to make a living off of the most inconsistent lifestyle and unpredictable and yeah you know it's like man i i I feel like a sense of kinship with you and the fact that i had the same goal you know like i just love the water i love being in the water i love just doing stuff around it i like people that are in the water i like all of it um when i was young I went and did all my scuba diving stuff and i was like i'm gonna be a scuba diving instructor then i was like ah just maybe i'll do commercial diving and Went and chatted with these guys about cleaning hulls of ships and stuff. And this guy yeah. was just like, mate, the commercial industry's crap. You know, there's no jobs. It's, it's really hard to get into. If you want to be an underwater welder, you learn to weld first and then you do the underwater stuff later. And I, I, I was met with discouragement at kind of every corner and wasn't really until my late 20s after doing a bunch of menial blue-collar work that I still realized I still had the same frothing passion I just waste 12 years not doing what I actually wanted to do in the first place. And it was in large part because I just wasn't determined enough to overcome the discouragement that I was faced. So I'm stoked that you ignored that and you've just carried on anyway. And I applaud your efforts. Are you making a decent living now? Yes. Good. Like way better than I would ever expect. 
I'm I'm um, I'm stoked for you, honestly. Like that's that's what <laughs> I want to hear. Really, really. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I guess it's also a lot of a matter of perspective, right? Uh, what what it's amazing for me might be shit for someone else. Um. But the the way I look at it is like you. There's got to be a balance, right, between. And even in my job, right, there's a lot of parts of the process that are not fun and then you just have to suck it up. That's because it's a fine line between, you know, like follow your passion and then not do stuff that you don't like. Yeah. Um, that can also be a very good excuse just for laziness. Right? Yes, 100%. Um, so y you will have to be able to, to, to endure parts of the process that are not fun, right? But uh, I believe if, if if those parts that are not as fun are a means towards something that you really enjoy doing, mm. then then that's worth it. Um, and uh, me as well, man. Like I filmed weddings and corporate work, and I've done a bunch of stuff that it's not interesting uh, at all. But I believe like every little thing was just a necessary step to be where I am now. Like it was with you as well. Like you wouldn't be the same guy if you didn't do all of those other shitty jobs. And yeah. you also learn other lessons along, along that way. Right. 100%. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe just to, to sum it up a little bit for, for the people that don't know, I, I started spearfishing commercially with like 15, 16 years old at the time that money was an issue. And then I just, gradually invested into filming and editing and you know getting gear and then started traveling um which is also a big misconception that you need money to travel that yeah. it's not true you need money to travel if you want to be nice and comfy because yeah. if you're willing to give up on certain comforts you don't need a lot of money oh, 100%. there's a couple of really um, good books too like they call it like there's one i think called the art of vagabonding and like there's another guy who's got a blog. I can't remember his name. Something Matt, and he was like, "Okay, you know, how to travel the world on less than fifty bucks a day," and uh, and he did it, and he did it like really well. And like you say, like you're not going to live the same life that you live in, you know, your rich, uh, relatively rich Western cozy life. But if you're prepared to sleep mm -hmm. in a tiny single bed sometimes and have a cold shower, then you know it's amazing where you can go and what you can see and what you can experience. Oh yeah. And 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 that's also where spearfishing um, makes a big difference, man. It's the ability of of shooting fish, either to to give it to people or like whatever you want to do with it. Um, that was the base of most of my relationships when traveling to these places. Like you get to some local village. That that's how I traveled for a long time. I'm not going to pay you guys. Um, I do know how to shoot fish and. I, I am willing to go through whatever you guys are going through. If you got to sleep on the rocks or if you want to, if you need to sleep in a shitty bed or whatever it is, yeah, I am willing to live the same way you guys live. And, you know, under the right conditions, I, I can put fish on the boat. And um, I traveled a lot just like that. Wow. Not paying, not spending. And um, yeah. So then from there, um, <laughs> I started doing some 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 trips uh, first in the Azores. Yeah, um, it's funny 
yeah, because because I yeah, this is a funny story. So that documentary eight years ago, that was how I started guiding actually, and um, at the time, one of my best friends, Pedro Bidio, he was the one that suggested. Dude, if you're going to sell T-shirts and DVDs and stuff like that, you know, put some some round number there on the crowdfunding. Uh, I don't remember. It was like 3,000 euros or something, which at the time was something like outrageous for me yeah, to, yeah. to spend that money to go shoot fish. <laughs> it's like you go shoot fish to make money. You don't spend money to go shoot fish. And um, it's funny because at the time I I did not want to do it. I just felt super weird. The idea of charging people to have these experiences, it, it just didn't make sense to me. Like genuinely, it's so funny looking back now. Um, and then we almost had like a bit of an argument, you know, he kind of like, like if no one wants it, then it's fine, but just just put it there. Like, don't be dumb. Just, <laughs> just put it there and see what happens. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I'm just gonna, I, I feel weird, but yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll just put it there because you're going to be paying the ass if I don't do it. Yeah. And that's actually the first time that I understood that there would be people interested in, in these kinds of experiences. Yeah. And of course I didn't have anything. I, I just put a number there, but I didn't have any setups or boats or like nothing. So of course those trips didn't happen, but then that was like the, the, the turning point where I understood that, you know, maybe we can do this um, in a bit more professional way. And then, yeah, just gradually from the Azores to Cape Verde and then just expanded yeah. a bit all over the world. Mate, I've followed along on your journey. I've, I've, I've been a part of a lot of it. Um, Agua Negra was a, was a massive thing. Oh, actually, we, did we, we chatted about that mm-hmm. film too, didn't we? Did we catch up? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. But yeah, anyway, I I've, I have been keeping up with you. <laughs> your your Instagram like you you're not super great at keeping it up to date, but what you drop is just no insane. <laughs> <laughs> I am terrible, terrible with with social media and, and everything. Let me just sum up your Instagram so I can encourage people to go have a look. So, <laughs> if you scroll like not even one screen down, you're going to see huge meatballs like tuna you know, just insane, like, vortexes. Unbelievable mobs of Kubera, a friggin' sunfish up close and personal, floats getting pulled down into the abyss, hammerheads, and really cool spiros chasing really cool fish. And it seems like this is just the life that you live these days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, like, it's easy to look at Instagram and get, like, a... Yeah, yeah, that's true. ...romanticized that's true. idea, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yep. um, but it is it is pretty cool. Like basically, my job now is to, at the beginning of the year, just look like into the world map and just really think what is the best experience that you can have in the best place, and then put it together and and, and bring people there. Yeah. Um, and um, Instagram is a funny one because. Most of the, the best stuff that I have, nothing is, is published, right? Um, for two reasons. Um, first, um, even though like this is how I make a living now, there's a bunch of places that I, I want to keep quiet and uh, I just bring people that know how to respect it and I just don't want to advertise it so it, it stays special for a long time. 
but really the main reason is because I'm really bad at promoting my stuff. <laughs> and most of the best content, it's like, oh, this is a really good shot. I'm not just going to put it on Instagram. No, we need to save this for like a documentary. And I've been saying that for the last six years. And <laughs> now I have 400 terabytes of footage over 30 different countries and I don't have the time to make that documentary. So that's something that I'm trying to work on. <laughs> so you're also you're doing a bit with Eric now with extreme spearfishing over in Zanzibar. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's one of the places that uh, that I go to. Uh, usually with Eric, my my main job is to to film and then also assist in in guiding some of the guys. Yeah. Um, but Zanzibar, it's 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 a it's a cool yet challenging place. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then I bounce a little bit all over Azores I'm, as well as a special, you know, place cause it's home and again, very challenging, but that's also where I saw the craziest wildlife spectacles I, I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just many different places. It's uh, yeah, it would take a long time to describe that. <laughs> so talk, talk to me about how you put together a trip. And how you how you plan it, how far in advance. Do you have a list of people that are always willing to go on cool trips with you and then you just tell them what you have planned and then just say, hey, you want to come along? This is how much it costs. Yeah. So um, I – because I have, I have clients that are really good people that, that I consider friends and um, we've done a lot of trips already. So um, – I know that, you know, certain people will travel two, three, four, five times in the year sometimes. And um, basically, I do trips in two different ways. Um, trips that are planned in advance, you know, in places that you can kind of predict, you know, in the right time of the year, with the right moons and stuff, you are likely to succeed. Um, and that's usually, um, you know, dog tooth tuna trips or you know, places like Mexico or Panama or New Zealand um, or, you know, Cape Verde, where if you do things right, you have good results, even planning stuff advanced in, how do you say, even planning stuff in advance, time, in, in, advance. in advance, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, which are my favorites, it's the strike missions. Um, and some of those trips are, the call sometimes it's made with you know twenty four hours notice, and in one day we are somewhere, uh, and usually it's not more than a couple of days. Um, so I always leave a good part of my schedule open during the times that it's more likely for these bait balls that that you mentioned happen. Wow. Um, but you cannot predict. Like you just, you just can't, it changes every year. Every time you make a theory that you think you figured out, then the next year just proves that you don't know shit. <laughs> so yeah, I just leave it open. I'm always in touch with a bunch of different people and uh, yeah, when it's happening, you just go. And and some of these people, you know, they're also trust me with these calls and they'll fly to the other side of the world in like a couple of days. And yeah. And that's usually how you get the really cool stuff. Bear fishing strike missions. Yeah. So do you have like a, a place where people can go and register their interest in coming on one of these said missions with you? I'm, I mean, it's it's a tough because 
I, I am not necessarily looking to, to grow this as a business. Again, at the end of the day, I want to use this to spend time in the water doing stuff that I enjoy with people I like to spend time with. And I'm already just always overbooked. I'm booked for next year already. Um, <laughs> so it's, um, you know, I have the website and, you know, people can contact me and, you know, there's, there's always new things. Yeah. Um, so David David.ochoa.net. Is that the main site? Thank you. No worries. Yes. Um, I do my research, changes. Bro. Coming soon. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, so I, I, I'm going to change a lot, but for now, that's that's the situation. <laughs> you're you're as bad as every other creative. Like we were talking earlier about, like you look back <laughs> at your earlier work and you're just like, it's crap. Like every time you build a website, by the time you finished it, you're like, ah, oh, it's shit. You know, like you just want to. <laughs> Oh man, yes, this, I, I think I've remade the Noob Spirit website like seven times, and, I, and sometimes I just get, "Why am I wasting my time doing this? I should just hire a professional," uh, but I can't afford it, so I just like, oh, "I'll just do it myself." And I mean, you do get better, but it's just never right. You, oh man, no, you do a good, good job. Um, I, I, yeah, you, you should give yourself some credit. It, yeah. it looks really cool, and then also, I guess there's. I don't know, like a, a bit of an emotional side to it. You know, it's your own website that you made it yourself. And um, I don't know. I also feel that a little bit, you know, with, with the content where, you know, you put a bit of yourself in there. So yeah. if you can do it, then yeah, why not? Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. The Freediving Manual is a digital freediving course, one that you can do at home, at your leisure, whenever you've got time. The course contains absolutely everything that a freediving instructor would teach on a freediving course. The digital courses are broken down into a video format and they contain everything that a freediving instructor would teach on a freediving course. We have beginner freediving courses, intermediate freediving courses, and advanced freediving courses for those who are working on diving deeper. The freediving manual contains all the safety information that any Spiro could want. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Ocean Guardian and Noob Spiro have partnered up to bring you a 10% discount on the Freedom 7 or Scuba 7. These are shark deterrent devices brought to you by powerful Shark Shield technology, the world's most effective electrical shark deterrent, scientifically proven and tested, backed by governments, research, and multiple independent bodies. This is some of the best tech on the market. They continue to innovate and inspire. They've been doing this for more than 20 years. Check it out noobspiro.com forward slash og that's noobspiro.com forward slash og when you get to ocean guardian check out the freedom 7 or scuba 7 if you want to purchase use the code noobspiro to save yourself 10 percent on your shark shield device the freedom 7 10 percent off go to noobspiro.com forward slash og i just love a functional and simple spear gun that i can trust when i pull the trigger Killshot Spear Guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak 
kill shot spear guns also combine american-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate reliable and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish get 30 dollars off any kill shot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com yes and amen uber that's 30 dollars off american-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com i'm really sorry for this terrible accent brought to you by ed martin at killshotspearguns.com let's talk about workflows with your filming and video editing because <laughs> in, in the past you've been a guy that's collaborated a lot like you i think you collaborated yes. with this red bull guy uh yeah ricardo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you guys made some awesome stuff together and I know you've had some yes. successful working partnerships over the time. Are you still doing that now with stuff or are you like a solo dog? I mean, how are you running your workflow with editing films? So uh, I do have the, the same partnerships. Ricardo is a good friend of mine and then we do stuff together. Sometimes we even do some trips with, with clients where... Ricardo where Nascimento, is that, is that him? There you go. Uh, yeah, I remember. Exactly. So, okay, sorry, Kara, I interrupted. Um, no, 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 no worries. Um, but... Uh, so one of the goals for this year, and also we're talking about YouTube and stuff, um, I, I, I really have no clue what's going to be the outcome. But the same way that I feel cringy about the websites and, and the documentaries and stuff, I, I always feel very cringy when people, you know, meet me and, oh, I saw your YouTube channel and... I'm always like, no, no, like <laughs> that does not represent what I do or who I am. Like, that was me 12 years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, no, like, no, don't use that to, you know, uh, try to understand what I do. Um, and, and that is one of the, the big goals for the next couple of years to just invest in, in that platform and a few others and just do something that I'm proud that I feel that it represents what what we do. Um, and uh, I actually have uh, João now working full-time. Um, basically, I hired a full-time editor to help a wow. lot uh, in this process because then also, you know, you have a certain style and you have a certain way of telling stories and, and it's something that it just, it takes a long time to get, you know, the workflow right. Yeah. Um, so we are going through that process now, but right. um, that inf infamous Latham, just for a sec, that infamous Latham, like I, I don't like, I don't like a lot of spearfishing films. Um, I do like a lot as well. Like when you narrate it, there's a lot of ways you can go wrong, and I just, I just found myself watch. I think it's twenty two minutes, twenty three minutes long. I did not turn mm -hmm. from the screen. Like I was like on it. And I was just in the zone. It's it's like I mean, going spearfishing is always going to be better to me than watching a film about spearfishing. Doesn't matter how good the film is, the experience of doing it is always to me 150 times better than anything anyone could make. But in terms of a, a film that I will watch from start to finish, I was just like, this is this is the bomb. Like, not only are you filming in like super HD, but you're telling the story in a really compelling way. The footage just rolls, and it you know, it slows down in the moments where you want it to slow down and you just find yourself like, yeah, this is why I go diving, you know, and, th and that's where I got from it. Like, I, I absolutely love that, 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 that film. It was insane. 
Thank you very, very much. Um, I'm not just flannerizing yeah. you. I, I'm legit. Like I 100%, I'm 100% <laughs> on this. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, and, and that film's a good example. It's like there's just, there's a, just so much about this sport that, that I believe it's interesting and that that goes way beyond, you know, the, 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 the killing stuff. And, yeah. um, and even myself, like I've been kind of, because, and, and now I am, I, I've made up my mind. Um, cause you have kind of two ways of looking at this, right? You have the content and then you can try to do something that it's, uh, trendy, I guess. And, um, you know, you have a bit of a formula that, you know, that will get more views on YouTube, whatever, uh, you know, just, um, quick dynamic things, but that's not really who I am. And, um, that is one of the things now, uh, also that it's good with, with the business of the trips going well and everything is that I can be in a position where now I can make the call and invest and produce content that I believe it's interesting regardless of, of the views that it might generate. Of course, if it goes well, then sweet. Yeah. But um, because that has been my position before where, um, you know, I only have so much time and I can use this week to edit something for YouTube that's not going to make any money or I can use that time to edit the documentary for a TV that will pay me for it. And that has always been my decision. I just use my time to produce stuff that I know that I will get paid. Um, and uh, that, that's a process that I'm quite excited because... Yeah, all, all of the footage that, that I've been filming over, you know, since last since we last spoken, mm. all the stuff that I edited, it's not out there. Most of the stuff is for clients and then it just stays private. And then I just, I'm just shit at using the content to promote what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to, man. Like, uh, uh, one of the myths I think is like, you have to be overly prolific all the time and like, I, was, I remember listening to this rapper NF, and like he—he's brilliant, by the way. If you ever like rap, and you know, like he's just very clever. And I mean, he gets a lot of—he he was at the time he was getting a lot of criticism for producing a, a, an amount of work and then going missing for two years and then having to rebuild all his social media following and all this shit. And he just brushed it off, and he just was like, "Man, I'm going to create really cool stuff." And then you might not see me for a while because I'm just working on some stuff. And there's that old analogy too, like sometimes with a tree, you don't see stuff growing above, but the roots are going down. The, the tree's always growing. And if it's not, it's dying, you know? And like, but I think with, when you create art, when you're a creative person, if you try to just be prolific all the time, you just make shit and you're not proud of it. And you, yeah. and you burn yourself out too. That Those are all very good points. Um, and, and I do have a weird, well, first of all, I do spend quite a bit of time in places where even if I wanted to, like, there's just, you're not going to be able to, to physically do it and post and stuff. Um, and then I also, I also enjoy just not being on social media and then <laughs> looking at stuff for the few months. And, and I see that, you know, there's pros and cons on on both sides, right? Mm. Um, and and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to find a way to be more consistent and to produce stuff that I enjoy, um, while again 
not changing priorities while being in the water and, and just only doing stuff that I believe it's interesting and, you know, represents me and the sport in, in a cool way. Um, try to do that, but more professionally and more consistently. Cool. That's, that's the goal. Let's talk about this Latham film. Um, there's this insane drop-off that uh, mm-hmm. that you get to, and it seems to be pretty unique. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a very iconic place, right? Um, that's where the biggest doggies in the world have been shot. Um, the world records are not recognized there because there's um, – there's a bit of a gray area with the spearfishing not, not being allowed in Zanzibar. Um, but then uh, it's, it's lawyer stuff. Basically, Eric has the operation that it's running legally. But uh, the only reason why the, the, the doggies there are not registered is because user does not recognize it, right? But that's ah. where the biggest dog tooth in the world have been shot, right? Bigger than the actual world records. Uh, Cameron's fish and, and other quite quite iconic fish, right? But um, but it's a challenging place. It's it's a very deep. Uh, the drop off it's around like forty ish, forty forty five meters, and then it drops almost to seventy. And um, also, I, I believe it's just getting a bit harder and harder to shoot fish there. Um, yeah. It's still very special. But it's one of those places that you go there if your goal is to shoot, you know, one really big fish, um, because it's 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 challenging. It's it's not an easy place. Do you think continuous pressure has had an impact on the area? It's it's and then again, like nowadays, I, I just I'm always you make these theories and then like I'm saying this and then we're going to go there this year and it's going to be absolutely full of fish really shallow. So like every time I say something, it's like, I, I believe that it, it doesn't help, you know, people being there so, so often. Um, but it's really also only one boat. No one else goes there, not for spearfishing. Yeah. Um, but, but the fish are deep and, and they're not getting, any shallower, I would say that. Um, but then you'll have these weird dice every once in a while. Well, where you'll have tons of doggies really shallow, uh, and it's crazy. But most times you gotta dive deep. What have you learned about dog tooth? Woo! <laughs> There's so doggies are so interesting because you you do have the classic main patterns that you can apply to to all the places, right? Uh, pressure points with upwelling, you want the current to be right, pushing into the drop-off. Ideally, you want to find a corner where it creates this pressure point where you'll have more bait, and then, you know, after the little fish go, everything goes after that. Um, but having that said, it's funny because they they seem to, to have different behaviors in different places. Um, for example, in Latham, you will have a doggy coming and check the flasher every once in a while, but they'll come, they'll have a quick look, and then they'll just swim down real quick. Um, while you go to Madagascar, and then you can have a doggy following your flasher f- for the whole drift, for like 20, 30 minutes, and they'll just 
stay there. Um, and then some of my favorite places in the world, in Indonesia, it's where I've seen the most doggies and I've never had one doggy swimming up to the flash. Not once, not a big one, not a small one, not even with live weight. Like you'll shoot a rainbow runner where in Fiji, they'll come and they'll be the easiest fish in the world to shoot. And then you dive to 30 meters and there's 50 doggies and you shoot a rainbow and they just don't come up. So it's quite cool because you have all these more general pattern patterns of places where they can be. Um, but then when it comes to, you know, hunting and approaching, then like each place has so many little nuances on, you know, ways to attract them, ways to set up your drift. Um, when should you dive? Listening to the reef. I mean, there's just, it's, it's a world of little things that, um, that's what excites me about it. Like it's not necessarily sh going there and shooting a big fish is for me, the ultimate goal is being able to get to a place that is completely new to you and then go there and figure it out. That's, that's what I enjoy about the sport. The, no the novel stuff, like the new stuff where you, yeah. where you're forced to be engaged again, a hundred percent and thinking, analyzing your way through it, planning, troubleshooting, and and maybe trying something new. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that side, it's it's endless. Um, you know, you go to 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 Zanzibar and you spend time with Eric and then learn certain stuff, and then it's like, oh, if I if I apply this in in Indonesia or in Fiji, you know, will this work? And then you go there, and then you know, some things work, some things don't work. But then you're also learning from that experience, and then you can apply that to all the other places that you've been. But then to the really fun stuff, which is getting to places that are completely new. Um, and then, you know, you just try to, you try to use your knowledge to, to figure it out. But at the end of the day, it's, there's just so many things that just come with spending time on those places too. Um, and, and right now, that's what excites me the most, really. So it sounds like you've become a bit more secretive with spots which I think is probably mm -hmm. a really, really good thing. And it's part of having a conservation mindset. Having said that, what other parts of spearfishing in terms of technique, hunting, finding fish, do you still keep, how much of that do you keep close to your chest? Nothing. I am happy to share everything. In terms of like knowledge, that's, that's really what is the most valuable if you, if you think about it. Um, uh, on that side, I kind of like changed my mind a little bit. I'm happy to share any little secrets on, you know, how to approach, how to, whatever it might be. Not specific spots, um, but I'm happy to share the tools for then people can go and, and figure the spots for themselves. Because the only way for you to, to, to appreciate and, you know, keep things more private is if you go through the process. Um, and, and it's a little bit of mixed feelings, you know, even with guiding, right? These, these, these certain fish are considered special because they represent all, all the effort that you need to make, not only to get to the places, but to learn what it takes to, to find them and to land them and, and all of those things, right? And, um, and it's a fine line with guiding because on one side you're, you know, providing a, a cool experience that 
you know, otherwise it's 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 hard to it's hard to experience if you go to you know one week to a place that you don't know anything about, right? Um, and if you have someone that knows, you are more likely to see cool stuff. Um, but then I also believe the big part of the sport should be for you to go and and search and explore and figure it out, you know, for yourself. Um, and then when you find certain places, just keep them private, take some friends, and um, and and if you do make the effort to go and find them, then you will understand why you should keep them private. I have had an opportunity to go off some of my local uh, my local area with some really good spiros, and it's a double edged sword because if you go to an amazing spot. And you know you can find it again, but they've shown you it. There's a real mm-hmm. personal obligation to never ever blow that spot up, never ever take anyone else there again, and probably never ever go there really unless you're by yourself or or with, uh, or with yeah. those people. And so you're almost sometimes better off discovering those spots for yourself. Yeah, that's it. I I, I totally agree because when when you go to a place that a friend has shown you, then you know, you need to respect whatever deal you made. You know, maybe it's only it's fine and you can bring whatever, or maybe it's only not even to go there by yourself. Then that just depends. Um, but uh, but that's a good example. Like if I go to Zanzibar, I will go with Eric and that's it. But if I go to any other place that I find, then, you know, it's I just do whatever I want. Um, back to that infamous Latham again. Um, like, it seems, I don't know if it's Eric's plan or your plan, but you guys go to a spot that's not the A-grade drop-off. Um, I mean, it's still A-grade diving, but you guys intentionally go there to shoot some warm-up fish. Well, not warm-up fish, but you're doing warm-up dives and you're, mm-hmm. you're prepping yourself and your gear to make sure you're in tip-top condition when you do get an opportunity. Is that something that you do often? Yeah, yeah. Um, it depends a lot on the people that you're diving with, right? Um if you're diving with guys that are in shape, that you know they're prepared and everything, I'm happy to start, you know, diving deep straight away. Um, but uh, usually, we we do like to 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 do the warm ups, Eric, and also myself on those trips and, and other trips. It it just depends on the people that you're traveling with, right? And um, and and again, that's also a fun side to it because. Um, that also took me a while to to adjust the same way that I spearfish for myself and that I enjoy the sport. It's not necessarily the same way for other people to to yeah. enjoy, right? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and then light the music is quite interesting because that that side of the drop off it's it's nice for warm up, um, but it's a good example of a place that kind of goes against. The, the theories we were just discussing, right? Um, yeah. You know, you, it's fair to believe that pressure points with upwelling uh, are, you know, prime places for doggies, right? And then most times you want to go with places where the current is pushing you from the deep into the shallows. But then you go to this side where the current is always wrong. Um, and in theory, it should be shit, but it's not. You actually have way more yellowfin on that side and uh, and you also have some doggies there. The, the doggies is the most surprising one because the, the current is not right for those places for those fish to be there. 
but they're there. Um, but then again, the really good place, that's where the current hits the right place. And, and then all those same principles apply. But it, it's a good example of something that, again, we just don't know. Our knowledge about the ocean, it's so, so small. Um, yeah, that's why it's fun too. If, if you have a client and they tell you, look, you know, when I'm diving well, I'm flat out 60, 70 foot diver, you know, like 20 meters is kind of my game, 25 on a good day. Are, are they going to be okay to hunt dog tooth? Not there. Yeah. I wouldn't say so. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, what will happen to them is probably what happened on that trip uh, of the video you're, you're talking about. Um, which was we spent six days where the fish were there, but they were below 35 meters. Yeah. Uh, and then on the last day, on the last morning before we came back, the fish was shallow. And that's when Patrice lost that big one. Uh, but all the other days we would go to the spots and they would be there, but we were nowhere near, you know, being within range. I would say at least 30 meters if you want to go there, at least. Having experience being in the water with so many different types of people now, um, you must know that certain people are just never going to be forty-meter divers. Do you think, or do you oh, think yeah. it's, or do you think it's psychological, or do you think it's physiological? Do you think that everyone can do it? Everyone can do it. Forty meters from forty meters below, it's it's a different it's a different game. Because um, you're below residual volume and you're having to use mouthfill and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, yes, for, you know, equalizing and all of that. But, I mean, it depends. But I would say, like, for me, anything below 35 meters, let's say, I consider, you know, deep diving. Um, and even myself, like, I, I, I will only dive deep when I'm feeling in proper shape, if I had a good rest, if I eat, if I'm eating well, if I have the the right amount of you know training without being overtraining by just spending too much time you know in the water and um, and and safety like if you're diving below 40 meters you you need to be with people that know what they're doing um, and it's not something you know like 20 meters even someone that has not spearfished a lot before with a little bit of you know a few breathing techniques you can do 20 meters um and, and you can free dive 40 meters without going too crazy but spearfishing yeah 40 meters and below i consider that like high stakes um very dangerous and especially if you're hunting doggies it's a fish that you know if a float line just catches you, you're going to die. Yeah. Thinking that you'll have time to use your knife and cut the float line, yeah, it's not likely to to succeed. And especially if you're shooting them at 40 meters, yeah, that's, uh, I consider that very hardcore spearfishing and and there's a lot to it in terms of safety and, and doing it right. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I wanted to touch on it. A lot of people are very curious about it. I don't think a lot of people are up for it, and I. But it's worth having the conversation just so people can think about it. Um, and it's good with someone that's very conscious of all the risk, how to mitigate it, 
and how to apply a level of wisdom to it because I don't think it's for everyone and I, I don't necessarily think everyone wants to do it. But sometimes people always aspire to be the best in whatever they do and they think that they have to do these things in order to do it. Mm-hmm. And a dog tooth is like, you know, at the pinnacle of a lot of people's spearfishing goals for their life and um, and then diving that Why deep. do you think that is? I don't know. How, how do you think social media plays a factor in that? I think you hear the story and the excitement from people and then you see what they do and you you – you just want to experience the same thrill, the same exhilaration. The, you know, there's a self mastery thing with spearfishing. It doesn't matter re- whether you're shooting like a, you know, like I haven't shot a red throat emperor yet. I haven't shot a, a wahoo. I haven't, you know, like sometimes you measure yourself almost by what you haven't shot and what you'd like to shoot. And we're a little bit of a collector type mindset. And there is an aspect of spearfishing where we get this trophy mindset. And like, you know, the first time you shoot an amazing species is is special. And then you can't really do that again. Uh, the, 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 the other best thing is watching someone else take their first of another species, which is which is also amazing. But those those moments you kind of like they slow down as you as you get more proficient and sometimes you gotta go hunting for them. So I think like you, you measure yourself against you know, your own performance, but also against some of these fish that you have on a, this invisible list that no one else really understands or knows about. <laughs> the thing is, should you measure yourself against the fish you shot and the depth you will, like, you're able to dive? Like, does that shit really matter? Nah, nah. I, I love getting a feed for my family. Like, I, um, I love having a good day and feeling good in my body and coming home wrecked, laying in bed, having put on a good feed and um, just feeling all my stress reset. A lot of the other stuff, I, th- I think there's a lot of ego involved um, and there's this, this performance mentality that we all have. Um, yeah. And I do think social media does play on it and, it and sometimes it does it works on you subconsciously, which is a real ugly thing about it. You're not even aware of it. So I, I hear what oh, you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So... Um... Depth, it's not something that I think it's that important. Like it, me personally, I, I never had the the desire to dive deep. And uh, and I will gladly not dive deep if I can. Uh, and I don't, I'm not a deep diver. Like I grew up here shooting fish in five meters. That's where you'll shoot the most fish. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, again, I believe the fun side of, of everything is the challenge is, is trying to find ways to, to learn about the fish and learn about the places. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the classic, uh, question, you know, like if you meet someone like, Oh, how deep can you dive? Yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean anything. No. Like you can be a deep diver and be a terrible Spiro. You can be <laughs> an amazing Spiro and dive shallow. And, um, it's just, first of all, it's not a, it's not a representation of, of anything. Mm. And then like, even if it was, are, are those the right reasons to, to get in the water? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think I, I've watched a lot of those people come and go through social media. And a lot of them, like they want their five seconds of fame. They maybe they want some viral video or something, but they seem to burn out and they're gone. And the, the froth, they never really had the right, attitude about it like it wasn't coming from the right place so it doesn't sustain them in it for long 
the people that had been doing this stuff for 20, 25 years, generally they've got a really pure motive and that's what's able to sustain that level of high enthusiasm for so long, you know? Um, you that spend so much time, you know, talking with, with all these different people and, you know, connected to, to this, this world um, way more than I am. Um, you know, there's, there's a bit of this question like, around surfing, you know, like he's surfing, losing like the, the, the soul side of it, because, you know, once the sport becomes cool and mainstream, then there could be an argument that you're not doing it necessarily because you really love it. You're doing because you also feel it's cool. And there, you know, there's a, bit yeah, of yeah. a you know, a social status that come with it. Where I grew up being a spearfisher, it, it was as like, the furthest thing from being cool you could possibly imagine. Like I would get into fights in school because like my colleagues would make fun of me for, you know, going fishing and that's just not cool. You know, um, I feel that's changing quite a bit. Um, still, you know, far from any of those mainstream sports, but, uh, you know, it looks like there's more people practicing it and, you know, Definitely, like in social media, you can see that there's content that generates views and interest. Um, how do you think those those two sides of the sport, um, you know, balance themselves? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. A lot of purists have just gone missing from social media. They uh, <laughs> And they tell you with great pride how they're no longer there. And I think... You know, if you're aware of this subtle change going on that's twisting your psychology and your motive, then then hell yeah, get off there. Like it's just, you know, and I've talked recently about getting off there myself on a personal level. I love to stay in touch with the community, you know, and like it's almost social media has almost become entrenched. There's these beautiful good and bad parts to it. And it's just you just have to, you know, provide a level of consciousness to what you're doing and almost like, Check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still guilty of sometimes like holding myself up to some sort of performance standard, you know. Like, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we all do. We it, all know? are at a, at a certain level. Like, if you say that you don't, then you're lying to yourself. Of course, I'm saying all of this, but I also we have that. I don't know instincts. I don't know and conscience drive i guess um yeah. and, and there's a good side to it too because it's like i believe like i have fun challenging myself right and and what does that mean is like you hold yourself to a standard that you're not there yet and you're just trying to you know go through that process and at the end of the day it's still the same thing um but i also believe there's a difference between you genuinely you know enjoying being in the water and, and enjoying learning um and then going into the water with the pressure of performing meaning shooting the biggest fish on the boat or you know get that fish because you want to post it on instagram and yeah all of that This podcast is brought to you by aqualite.com.au. This is the best solution bar none for staying hydrated in the ocean. If you're a Spiro, it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a game changer. If you're doing extended trips and the cramp starts to set in 
and uh, the old body's telling you, hey, that's enough. Just get hydrated and it will save you a whole heap of woe. It's a groundbreaking product that can help you to stay hydrated. It's got low sugar, it's less acidic than other options on the market, it's rapid absorption, help you to maintain performance. Dehydration of just one to 2% can affect your mental and physical performance by up to six or 7%. And as when you're spearfishing, you can tell when dehydration is starting to affect you because the equalization goes out the window. Get Aqualite at aqualite.com.au. It's scientific rehydration that Spiros know and trust. I know because one works there, and that's why we've set up this discount code for you. 10% off when you use the code NoobSpiro at aqualite.com.au. Check it out. Australian-made hydration products tailored for Spiros and a whole bunch of other people that suffer from dehydration too. But check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10%. Did you know when coming up from a spearfishing dive, it's possible that you would feel 100% fine right until the moment you blacked out? Did you know being dehydrated or hungover increases your risk of having a blackout? Did you know I have never seen a person hit the surface and yell, Dad, help, I'm about to blackout, come save me. No, they typically hit the surface, take a couple breaths, and then quietly sink into the abyss. Whether they live or die is 100% dependent on if you are close enough to grab them and take care of the situation. Did you know it's very easy to have a loss of motor control or a minor blackout and not even know that you had one? Did you know that if you have a loss of motor control or blackout and you continue diving that day, you are way more likely to have a much worse blackout? Did you know breathing across the eyes of a blackout diver can help initiate a breathing response? That was 60 seconds with me. What else don't you know? My name is Ted Hardy, the founder of Immersion Freediving, and I want to do more to stop the needless fatalities from shallow water blackout than any other person on the planet. And that's why I created freedivingsafety.com. Lucky for you, I made it very easy to get up to speed. You can learn how to reduce your risk of having a blackout, how to save your buddy's life, how to tell if you're wearing too much weight, and avoid breathing techniques that drastically increase your risk of having a blackout. And it's all for free. Go to freedivingsafety.com and sign up for my free safety course. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard, especially when you learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Killshot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, Crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Um, you lived in Florida for a while. I spent uh, three months there. You made friends with a young guy who loved the water. Is that right? Skylar. Yeah, Skylar. It sounded like a tragic thing that happened there. Would you mind talking about yeah. it? No, not at all. Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it's funny you ask that because, because at the time there was a quite a bit of, uh, you know, things that, that were said about it. And, uh, I don't know anything, so no I'm not one, asking. No one, yeah. I'm yeah. not asking a loaded um, question. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's, um, it's a good example of, you know, things, uh, going really bad, really quick. Um, we were spearfishing in, in Florida, uh, off of Boca and, um, we were diving, I don't know, for like four, six hours. 
conditions were pretty shit, like, uh, I don't know, like six, seven meters vis. And um, we were diving like 23, between like 21 to 25 meters, sort of that, that range. Um, and I wasn't even spearfishing. I was filming um, Scholar. And uh, we were doing like Buddy. And then um, Mike and Richard were, you know, the other uh, couple guys. And then uh, Scholar's dad, Tristan, a uh, very special person, was on the boat. So as you can imagine, it was not a, a fun experience. And um, we were diving together for a while. And then um, the conditions weren't good. And the boat was, I don't know, like 50 meters away from us. That distance where you have to swim just like a little bit, but not enough that you really need to call the boat. And um, we we just told, you know, like conditions are not are not good. Uh, let's just like change spots. So, you know, let's just go to the boat. Um, but, and this was my mistake too, um, on the way to the boat, we didn't really just go straight to the boat, right? We started swimming into the boat. I actually did like one little dive just to film like some, some stupid fish midwater and then jumped into the boat. Then the guys jumped into the boat. And then when we waited for Skylar, he wasn't there. And uh, on that, you know, short, short time, uh, he dove by himself and um, I wasn't there and none of us was there to watch it. And um, he blacked out when uh, when we got to the boat and it was flat, like flat calm. And when we when we got to the boat, it's it's so weird, man. Like I, I did have a weird feeling. It's it's so fucking weird. It's hard to explain. And um, I remember being on the boat and just like kind of looking at my watch. And you know, one minute went by, two minutes went by, and then like after two minutes, thirty is like fuck. And then like just press the spot, but there was quite a bit of current. And um, then we, we called for help and we started diving, looking, looking. But um, yeah, eventually we didn't find it. It was the, the rescue team. And like after, I don't know, two or three hours. And um, yeah, it's a good example of how it can go really bad, really quick, where, you know, a simple distraction, even doing buddy system, you can do it properly for the whole day for 20 days and then you'd like you don't look for two minutes and that's that's all it takes i'm really sorry man like um yeah i just i saw how much it affected you like it was you know yeah, in your yeah. social media for a long time i know you still think about it now so like yeah yeah, yeah. it was uh, both like the darkest and the most beautiful in a weird way uh experience because also that's when you know those tough times that's when you see um you know the real side of the people and uh yeah tristan tristan is a special special guy and everyone yeah i, I really feel for his family that lost him like he's just seemed like a super talented awesome young bloke like just absolutely frothed on the ocean and um of course, you know, all fathers will love their kids. You cannot measure that. Uh, but that was by far like the coolest father-son relationship I've, I've ever experienced. 
Yeah, very, very special. Skyler was a very special kid. Very good diver for his age. Really good vibe. Um, and, uh, dude, one dive. One dive. That's all it takes. Yeah. Sorry, man, to take you there. I, um, no, 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 no. It's, I mean, I, I believe that's something that we, it's good to talk about. I, I would, I didn't think of talking about it, but, uh, you know, if, if, you know, maybe one person can listen to this and maybe next time when they're with their friends and they call the boat and jump, you know, before jumping, just make sure that everyone's there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yep. Um, move back to some some stuff with the film. Um, Infamous Latham. So, again, I some of your cuts, like – I know I'm taking this down to an infinitely practical level after such a deep <laughs> and emotional story. And, <laughs> and I, I'm sorry to do it so crudely. There's no delicate segue away from this. No, no. Um, go for it. I'm not, I'm not just not emotionally intelligent enough to do it. Um, no, 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 that's just go. <laughs> some of your cuts, man, like I, you know, you, you've just, your storytelling has got so much better. Like, you know, like there's a fish um, that he shot and, you're underneath the fish filming it and then you've got other footage of you like with his hands just pulling the shooting line and the way you tied mm-hmm. that together like because it's two different camera angles and you're the only guy in the water and it was just <laughs> it's just very clever and it's just it just helps people understand the process so much more and really shows you just a bit more of what's going on i love that absolutely loved it so there's 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 a there's a a bit of a, of a of an interesting side to it, which I, I have a hard time sometimes balance, balancing these two two sides um, of filming. <laughs> when 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 you're in the water filming, um, the bait balls, for example, they're a good example of that. You're you're in an environment, but but also the same applies to to the, that specific sequence or everything. Um, you're in the water and you're you're seeing stuff that it has like a, an emotional impact on you, right? If you jump in the water and you see like a crazy bait ball with giant tunas and whales and just crazy stuff, or even just a guy fighting a big doggy, um, you're you're quite immersed into that moment, right? Which is something that we enjoy about this sport. You're not thinking about your social media, or hopefully not, or, you know, your emails, you're, you're very much into the moment. And, and, and this is also why I believe editing your, your own footage can, can help you become better as well, because a lot of times, not a lot of times, all the times, because you can never film anything perfectly. You, in order to tell the story, you need to make sure that you get the, the 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 wow shots but then you also need to to make the other shots that are not necessarily wow or they're not something that you would think about and the challenge of being in the moment yet being rational about what you're doing um again like the bite balls on one side it's epic and i just want to enjoy it for what it is but most times when I'm in the water under those conditions, I'm just rationalizing everything, right? It's the most, whatever it is, whale shark, 
I'm filming, I have a really good shot, which is always the same. You're filming wide at 16 millimeters or 12, really wide, and your main goal is to get close. And you want to get as close as possible and just make it pop, right? But then once you have that, and, and, the, and the, the animal or the situation, it's still happening, then it's easy to just do the same shot just over and over, right? <laughs> Uh, with yeah. the same settings and you know maybe you're a little bit closer maybe you're a little bit further but but that's it um and something that i enjoy a lot however sometimes i also believe it's good to be in the moment um is to be able to 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 rationalize and understand what are the shots that you need to do to tell the story that's happening yeah. and and really the only way to to do it in a bit more different way is to force yourself to not necessarily be so much into the moment, but, you know, like, why medium close? Why medium close? If I have this shot of this angle, then, you know, I need to get this shot, but tighter. And then once you have all the different scales, then, you know, maybe you can swim, you know, and get like a backlight shot. There's just endless shots that you can film of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and because then I added my own footage, that happens all the time. Like I'm, I'm editing something that might look cool, but then it's like, oh, I missed the close-up on the hands pulling the line. Or maybe that shot is cool, but it could have been tighter. And then I'll write it down. And then next time when I go into the water, I, I'm always taking notes. And depending on the scenarios that are happening, I read the things that I want to remember before yeah. or when I am in the water. Um and you know it's 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 a side that maybe most people don't don't think that exists, but I, I'm in the water, but I'm like thinking about it. It's weird. I'm struggling just doing the do 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 with my with my GoPro, bro. But I'm hearing what you're saying, and I have thought about some of this stuff. What's what's the rig you're rocking? What's your what's your camera setup these days? Now I I I'm filming. Most of them there were underwater stuff with the Sony with Alpha One. Ah, and then yeah. I have like a 7S3 on the boat. And because uh, as you also saw, like we've done stuff for, for sports, Red Bull and Neji and those kinds of things. And you know, we've we've used reds and those you know cinema cameras. Um but uh, for the next few years, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on doing content with, with these setups because the, the really big cameras, it's, there's a lot of logistic stuff that comes with it that it's not really doable uh, in most of the trips. So what, you're filming 6K? 4K, mostly. I can, we can film up to 8K. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 4K with high beat rates, S-log, and uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so workflow. What are you are you editing like DaVinci Resolve now? Or are you crossing between platforms? Premiere. Yeah, Premiere. Premiere. Uh, Color grading. You know, yeah, even in Premiere, uh, DaVinci is arguably better. Um, but I'm so used to Premiere, and I am so busy, and I'm always so behind in edits that I've been lazy, and I have not taken the time to learn DaVinci properly. Um, yeah, so. Premiere, and um, and I'm spending most of the time edit stuff that is not to be published, um, 
which is for clients and for places that I, I don't want to promote so much. And um, yeah, workflow is a big one that I'm trying to improve and then hopefully find ways to, to get more help. And um, yeah, we need to get those stories out there. There should be 100 stories like Latham, not not one. Yeah, mate, at least you did that one. Like it's a masterpiece. <laughs> I made a I made a um I made a, a 30 minute video for a trip I did to South Australia. And uh I tell you what, there's nothing for, there's nothing like giving you an appreciation for good films after making your own cuz you you're just like holy shit. You know, like you start to realize what the the depths that other people have gone to to produce amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the same thing with, with what I do. I mean, it could be a thousand times better. And it's one of those things where also, I guess, a little bit with spearfishing and, and everything in life. It's like the more you learn, the more you understand all the stuff you don't know. <laughs> it's like you're getting knowledge that just allows you to understand how far behind into all the other things that yeah. you didn't know because you didn't have the knowledge to actually be aware of the shit that you should know and yeah, you don't. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Do you still model, do you, do you model yourself at all of any of your heroes in this game? Like from related disciplines, anything, you know, like I know Daniel Mann, I, you know, he's one of my YouTube heroes. I really like Dan. Um, you know, one of his er- early people he credits with like getting some ideas from and inspiration was Casey Neistat with the style of, you know, the vlog style he does and some of the other stuff mm-hmm. he's doing. For you, who have been some of your um, influences, if any? Um, I would say, like, my influences come from, from a different side, I would say. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a bad person to talk about content and stuff. I, I don't watch spearfishing content at all, yeah. ever. Oh, good. Um, and... Uh, in the sport, like I've been very lucky to to learn from, you know, guys like Eric, Pete, uh, man, like Ariel from Canaris. There's there's just so many people that that are good at what they do, and uh, I, I took a lot from them. Um, but w- what I've been getting the most inspiration, at least the last few years. It's actually from the people that I take spearfishing. Yeah. Um, some of some of these clients that are also friends, and um, these these are all very very wealthy people, where it's just so clear that money is a consequence of a lifestyle of discipline and efficiency. And not the opposite, right? Like I kind of grew up thinking that, you know, work sucks, but you do it because that means you're going to get paid, right? And and everything you do, even what sucks, you're doing towards that goal. Mm. Um, And I've been spending time with people that are very good at what they do, uh, where money is really not an issue at all, but they just keep doing what they do at a very high level. And and you can see that on the little things, which is where I go get, you know, the most inspiration. It's like people, they'll wake up every day 
7 in the morning. They'll go do their exercise. They will be eating breakfast at 8.30 sharp, reading the news, newspaper, like old style. Then go on with your day, discipline with what they eat, with what they do, with who they have around, with, with the, the, the conversations that, you know, they have. Um, just, just people that are very, very disciplined and uh, just overall good people that don't do anything in spearfishing. Well, other than, you know, the trips we do and stuff like that, but they're not trying to do anything in spearfishing. Yeah. But the way they see life, it's, again, a very good example. It's like, I thought I was productive until spending one week at their place. And then it's like, bro, there's, there's, there's levels. There's a lot of levels. Um, and, um, Lately, that's that's what I would say that that I've been more inspired. Um, just just as life in general, and, and yeah, just try to be more disciplined, uh, smarter with the way you spend your time uh, for work and for fun too. Opportunity cost becomes massive as you as you as you get along. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is something that I have a long way to. Me too. <laughs> Figure out. Me too, bro. I um, <laughs> a lot of Noob Spiro has been a real scattergun approach, you know, like, and not really taking it very seriously, like wanting to make Noob Spiro my full time job and orientation because I love this stuff, but then not having the maturity and the discipline and the the strategic acumen to just go, okay, this is how I'm going to go about it, and then being very intentioned in it. That's a little bit of beyond the fourth wall stuff. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, no, but that's awesome. But it's real, but it, you know. Um, How? So, what? What? What do you think you would need in order, like, for that to happen? I just need to map out a bit of a strategic project plan and prioritize them according not only to impact but also to income as well, and then. Um, look at realistically at how much time and money I've got and then just map it out with all of the other things that I've got on in terms of priorities with family and, you know, trying to work a 50-hour-a-week job as well. Um, I'm not going to have a whinge about it, but I, I just need to be a yeah, bit Yeah, but more, that's cool. I think that's fine. Yeah, that's a bit good. more adult about it. But I love it, man. You know, like I've been teaching courses um, and I, I'm going to start again in September when we're sort of settled in with a newborn. Um, and I'm going to start running one a month and um, – I'm just going to start building these things consciously on that I can sustain and that start to generate enough income where I can just slowly replace my job and then exit out. Uh, it's not going to be some mad rush, I don't think. It's just going to be a, a, a strategy that I work out as I go. How did you do it, man? I, obviously, you lived on That's the bone, awesome. you lived on the bones of your ass, and you just you hustled a bit. I, I did the exact opposite. Just no plan, chaos, and um, yeah, like. Again, it's it's what you said is spot on, and and, and something that that I'm not gonna say that I've learned because I'm still very far from where I need to be. Um, but plan, proper planning, uh, one year in advance, four years in advance. Like some some of these people are doing like five year plans. Like, bro, I'm not. I don't know what I'm gonna do next <laughs> week. Like five years, like no way. But but um, I think I think you know that that spirit of freedom, you know, like of just being like 
free. Like you, you can still have a plan and build enough flexibility into it that you can live the life you want to live. For sure. Um, the, the way that I did was so I, I always looked at, at things with in this perspective. It's like when people ask me, you know, like what, what are you doing? You know, what is your job? What, what are you, what do you want to do with your life? Especially when, you know, I was relying on selling seafood. Um, I never knew what I wanted to do, but I was very aware of the things I did not want to do. And that's a little bit like that's, that's how I went um, with life in general. I, I don't have like a solid plan of what I want to do, but I'm not going to commit to stuff that does not make me happy. And, and that, that is clear. I, nothing else is clear, but that one is. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then just, sorry, you were going to say something? No, no. I, I think yeah. it sounds similar to an idea I read. Um, actually, it's in this book here. I've got it propping up my monitor that's falling over. It's uh, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And he has this idea in it. It's basically like um, fail fast but also fail forward. So you, if you're doing stuff that you love that also gives you a set of skills, even if you're not immediately making an income or whatever, you're developing something that's going to you're going to be able to use into the future. And if it's all headed vaguely in the same direction, you, you build this – you build this sort of compound thing that comes along later and all these things weigh up into a snowball. And, um, and I mean, you know, this, it's kind of a, a bit of your story, I guess you, you 100% that that's like that. That's such a good term. Like everything is going like vaguely into this direction. <laughs> that's it. That That's, that's such a good way of yeah. putting it. Cause with, with the, the, the spear fishing, with the filming, with the guiding, with the editing, like now, you know, if, if, if you see what I'm doing now, it, it's kind of easy to, to say and it's, you know, that's obviously a good, you know, a good lifestyle and, and you know, it's, it's a business, you know, there's, there's people that I can hire and people that I, that I hire to come on trips and it's, it's, it doesn't take much to understand that, you know, it's a viable option of making a living. That's now, like... 10 years ago, that was not obvious at all. Nah, nah. Uh, and, and there wasn't a plan, but that's, that's exactly what you said. I have a few things that I really enjoy doing. Everything is vaguely connected, you know, at the end of the day, I want to be in the water. Um, and yeah, just th there's also the other side of it, right? Where it, it maybe it, it kind of seems that you know, everything was kind of by chance. Everything was kind of by chance. But I also was always very committed to whatever it might be. Um, with the spearfishing, like even if it's commercially, with the editing or even with the filming. Bull um, state. Yeah. Yep. Like Just I, all I, in. I, I, yeah, it, it's it's tough to explain because like, it is all in. Like even when I'm here now, like I, I'm working every day, ten hours a day, always. A lot of times more. Um, 
And now it's not as vague as before. And before I, I still worked very hard. Um, but yeah, all of these things, it just kind of mat- materialized as, as, as I went along, I guess. <laughs> awesome, bro. But it's, it takes work. Um, just, yeah. Mate, you had a fantastic poo story the first time I interviewed you. Have you got any more really cool poo stories? It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones are you allowed to tell? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell this one, but I guess there's only one way to find out, right? I'm always um, a, a forgiveness over permission kind of guy. I sense that about you. Um, it's it's nothing like crazy, crazy funny, but um, yeah, it became like a very, very regular joke. Um, in uh, with Agua Negra that we were that we were talking about, right? Um, it it was me, Ricardo, Rui, and Valentine. Right, um, and it's 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 a bit of a funny story how how everything came along, and um, so so I went to Cape Verde by myself for like three months. I, I did a bunch of footage, you know, like the the, the Manta racing and, and a few other things, and then we decided to go back to Cape Verde, use some of the footage that I had, and basically revisit the places where I had been alone. Yeah. Um, and it was a mix of. The places that I already been with a lot of stuff that happened during that trip that we did not predict, right? Uh, and Valentine actually joined um, like three weeks before the trip. Mm. She started talking to with me uh, because she also wanted to do a crowdfunding project, right? Um, and after I did inhale, um, she she wanted some tips, and we we talked a little bit about it, and then we. Um, you know, I told her that I was going to Cape Verde and then she wanted to join. But but we wanted to film, right? And and I was very specific. It's like, you're welcome to join us, but I need to be clear. And, and especially when I'm traveling, doing my thing, it's there. there's a bit of a, a way we do things. And I told her, like, if you come, you will be treated as one of us. You will wash your own gear. You will carry your own fish. If I happen to be walking naked around the house, well, you know, that's that might happen. Uh, and if I need to shit, you know, in, in a hole next to the fire where we're, you know, eating, um, all of those things might happen. And uh, you're probably going to see guys walking naked and you're probably going to see guys taking shits in different places. So... I need to be clear with this because this is the trip that's happening. We're not doing this trip, you know, because of you or anyone else. I know how I am. I know how Ricardo and Rui are. <laughs> this is a boys trip. You're welcome to join us, but you know, yeah, yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, sure. No, I've traveled with, with a bunch of guys and you know, like I'm used to it. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So then, like, the, no, it wasn't the first. It was, like, the third day of diving. Um, tough conditions, a bit of wind. Uh, she was also, like, a little bit seasick. And, you know, Cape Verde was, was a bit tough. And uh, 
as I said before, I just, she's like sitting next to me and we're talking, just having a normal conversation. Like as we're talking, I just like pull my pants down and like, and then I take his shit <laughs> right next to her. <laughs> and on that day, like I, she understood that, you know, the, 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 the boy strips that she had been were not quite the same as as ours. Um, <laughs> she was a bit shocked the first time, but she learned quick. And then, yeah, it's just now we, we just laugh about it. And, you know, everyone became very comfortable with each other. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's your poo story. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a shit next to Valentine while just having a, a normal conversation about the weather because, you know, why not? Something about traveling too, like with the way you did it, like it, it um it pulls off a lot of the layers of, you know, assumed civility, I think. You know, like the we most people just behave in it in it you know, like it it astounds me sometimes at how isolated we are from the reality of death. Like in Australia and New Zealand, most people have never seen a dead body. Because someone dies and we whisk them away. Well, New Zealand is slightly different than Australia, sorry, because Maori culture, um, you know, when you have a tangi, a, f- a funeral in New Zealand, I don't know if you experience this, but you know, no, they bring no. they bring a body back to the house, and uh, there's a there's three or four sometimes longer days of mourning, and you know, wow. But but, but from from for many parts of Western culture, we're isolated from these realities of life. When I go take a poo, like I go into a small room. It's uh, got a window and I have some spray and no one else is there present for it. So when you go out on these trips and you, you know, you see these things and experience these things, it's just radical. I remember being in China and Beijing and walking into a local public toilet and there were just the squatties, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. But no walls. So you walk in there and it's just, you just take a dump next to three other people and you're in the middle of a capital city of China. And that's what's happening. And yep, it's crazy. 100%. And then you've got a big red beard and you're a foot taller than everyone else and you're just squatting down the same as they are. It's, it's, a, it's a recipe for making you less self-conscious. But that's awesome. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, like when, when, you, you know, when, when you have these experiences and you're in touch with these different realities, yeah. it's like – why why do you need to take a pool with with a door uh closed you know it's like it's i don't know there's just so many things that should be way more not should be it's cuz there's no right way to do it right yeah, but yeah. uh i guess like traveling at least to me gave me a bit of a different understanding on not taking things so seriously um and uh yeah that actually so what ended up happening on that trip too? Because we had like two little rooms yeah. where uh, Valentine was staying with Ricardo and I was staying with Rui. Mm. And uh, yeah, basically like every time I had to take a poo, I would go into their toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and of course leave it open. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that also reminded me that that was quite funny. Good stuff. And, uh, I don't know, man. Don't be don't be too serious. Just 
if it makes you laugh and if you're not hurting anyone, then it's probably fine. I feature a poo story every episode. Sometimes like a, it alarms me with my language and some people listen to the podcast with their kids and I'm just like talking about funny poo stories every time. It's just like, yeah. Is, is that like a regular thing? Or uh, like- mate, I've made it a regular thing. I think ever since you came on the show, I was just like, man, I'm just going to ask people about aqua poos. It's just so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there must have been some good ones. David, mate, awesome to catch up with you, bro. Like, obviously, people can come find you. David Ochoa PT on Instagram. David Ochoa uh, YouTube. You can go and watch that uh, infamous Latham video that I talked about so much during our chat. Man, awesome to catch up with you, bro. Like, uh, it's been a long time. Um, I caught up with a, a mutual buddy, I think David Dupav in uh, NZ. Yes. Yeah, and ET, they're an awesome couple. And uh, we they're talked awesome. about you a bit uh, when we had a few brews okay. around the fire. So. It was cool to see That's you guys awesome. in New Zealand as well. Yeah, he went to New Zealand the first time when I was there with no expectations, and yeah. now he's living there. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. And that he's is. doing well too. David is, is a good guy. Yeah, he is. He's awesome. All good. All right, brother. Well, we better head over now. It's uh, nearly half past 10 at night here, and I know you've got to get about your 10-hour work schedule. So <laughs> I won't hold you up all day. Thank you so much, man. It, it, was, it was good to catch up. It, this is a good way to catch up because, like, it's an excuse. We would have pretty much the same conversation regardless of 100% being recording or not. Like, exactly. I, I don't think it would be much different. No. So thank you for that. And then maybe let's try not to wait another eight years to, to do it again. <laughs> 100%. All good, brother. <laughs> thank you very much. Always a pleasure. The sweet, sweet sound of equalising on your way down a hunt of fish. It's not that sweet though. In fact, most of the time we don't even notice those sounds until we review our GoPro footage. But sometimes though, a sticky eustachian tube, an uncomfortable forced EQ or ears that just won't clear can derail your dive day. Sounds like you might need Ted Hardy's Roadmap to Frenzel course, available at noobspero.com forward slash Ted. Equalise instantly and effortlessly using Ted Hardy's Roadmap to Frenzel. If you go through his EQ program and Ted doesn't teach you to Frenzel within 30 days, he will offer you a full refund. Make your EQ problems a thing of the past. Learn more at noobsparrow.com forward slash Ted and use the code noobsparrow to save some moolah. The Freediving Manual is a video manual that contains absolutely everything that I would teach on one of my freediving courses. Everything broken down video by video so you can effectively take a freediving course at home. The manual is perfect for any Spiro who wants to brush up on their freediving knowledge or get up to date with all the latest freediving safety and performance knowledge. Great news guys, Adam Stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the Noob Spiro community. If you get on freedivingfamily.com, use the code SPIRO, you'll get 20% off any course. There's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one, there's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com Get Adam's course and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com.
Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology company. Since 2001, their independently proven and tested products have been allowing ocean goers all over the world to enjoy the ocean without a worry. With products for diving, spearfishing, surfing, snorkeling, boating and fishing, they've got you covered for all your ocean activities. Their technology is so effective, the Western Australian government offers a $200 consumer rebate for the purchase of the Freedom Plus Surf and Freedom 7. Uh, guys, get into it. We've got a discount code for you, 10% off your Shark Shield device. If you want to get the Freedom 7 or the Scuba 7, get 10% off. Use the code NoobSpiro at checkout. If you are at Ocean Guardian uh, US site or ANZ site, uh, get into it, get in amongst it. Ocean Guardian are doing awesome things for Spiros. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed David Ochoa. Um, I recorded this interview probably like six weeks ago, and to be honest, with the the new arrival in the Daily Family, um, the episodes are pretty thin at the moment. I've got uh, I've got to get on my horse and start recording. I, nevertheless, I've got a list of legends to interview that you guys have sent me over the years. I've got more than three hundred names on there, so there's never any shortage of of absolute wicked people to get on the show uh, I will tee something up and rest assured the uh, start of July there will be another interview with some frothing madman from around the planet hey if you love today's episode if you like the show in general I'd love it if you become a patron go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro and chuck in some fuel in the outboard you support the show on an episode by episode basis for as little as one dollar an episode and if I'm only doing two a month guess what it's two bucks a month also Jobfish Tribute, check that out, check that gear out up on noobspirit.com. As I mentioned, every shirt or hoodie purchase for the remainder of this month, it's a free sticker. So now valued at at least $135.70 each. So huge value there, massive value. Uh, actionable, intense, crazy value, 100%, and all my other verbal cliches. Hey, thanks for sticking with me, guys. I know I'm a doofus at times. See you back in a week or two for another frothing episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast. Are you looking for spearfishing gear in Australia? Head on down to your local Adreno Spearfishing Superstore today and explore their ginormous stores filled with mad gear and frothing staff. On top of a huge selection of high quality Australia price matched guaranteed spearing kit and high quality experts bureau staff, Adreno offer afterpay and a super easy returns policy. Adreno will have you geared up for your next spearing sesh with a massive smile. That's Adreno Spearfishing with stores located in Perth, Aspley, Woolloongabba, Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Get into it. Head in today or shop online at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save $20 on every purchase over $200 online or even better, in-store. Your new spear gear is waiting for you. Are you US-based looking for freediving spearfishing gear? Neptonics is the best. Their online website so easy to use. If you've got any questions, Jerry and the team answer questions via phone, email, Anyway, they've got an easy contact form on the site. Uh, these guys are absolute legends, and uh, 
if they sell it, they believe in it, they back it, they use it themselves. It's tough gear that works. Visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% on any order at neptonics.com. That's right. Use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B-10 on your next order. Save 10% at neptonics.com. Come on.